There's a way, a way, such a better way Today, today Raise your voice, tell the world There's a better way Today, there's a better way This is Rod Adams, and it's time for another Atomic Show. And with me today, I have a tremendous guest. Her name is Sama Bilbao Ilion. She is the Director General of the World Nuclear Association, which is the global promotion, ed- education, lobbying group for the nuclear industry. Welcome, Sama. Thank you, Rod. It's truly a pleasure to join you. I mean, it's taken, what, 300 episodes for me to be here. So I'm, I'm very glad that, that finally you got to, to invite me. It's something I've been meaning to do for a long time. I, I, I guess I'll share with my guests that I've known Samus since she was a graduate student at the University of Wisconsin. Way back in my atomic engine days, I was going around talking to student groups about small modular reactors. I think that was something around 1994. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought of that, yeah? Some people are on the bleeding edge, some people are ahead of the bleeding edge, and some people get slashed by the thing that's making it a bleeding edge. But And I've also told the story many times that one day, Samma was reading my paper newsletter and said, Rod, this belongs on the web. And I said, what's a web? Mm-hmm. Sam helped me uh, c- convert the paper newsletter format to HTML, and we made it look like a blog. I think about ten years before there were any blogging software available. But yeah, uh, anyway, no, we we made it we made it uh, manually, but it looked pretty fine. I mean, I think it, it looked quite sharp. You so so yeah, it was a good partnership, and and I was very happy to to be able to to support because obviously. Uh, there was a very lots of very interesting ideas in in atomic energy insights. So yeah. Today I wanted I invited Sama because there's so many things happening in the nuclear ecosphere around the world, and being at the uh, head of the nuclear World Nuclear Association, Sama gets to to talk to a lot of people, get a lot of reactions, participate in panel discussions does a lot of travel but apparently mostly for work and not for fun but mm-hmm. uh, today i want to talk about some of the things that are really driving the change in public perception uh, about nuclear energy around the world mm-hmm. so, Sam, tell us a little bit about what you've been hearing recently you know um the very last thing that i just did uh was cop 27 which of course i'm sure you you have also discuss in the show, and I'm sure you will have also additional speakers to to discuss that. But so so COP27, I think, is uh, definitely a, a climate change conference in which I personally have seen definitely as turning the corner. So the conversations that we had at COP27 were no longer about whether or not nuclear energy uh, should or shouldn't be part of the the technologies considered in the context of climate change, that discussion is gone. We we are no longer having that discussion. So everybody uh, seemed to accept that nuclear needs to be at the table. So the question now is, 
what it's needed to, for nuclear to truly take a role, uh, how to implement that that role, how big of a role that may be. I mean, so so the questions are much more uh, about implementation, not about the legitim legitimacy of nuclear being in the conversations. So to me, that's, that's very important. Um, also, something that, that I saw particularly at COP27, and perhaps it's because this COP took place in Africa, uh, is, you know, this, this very important dimension of, of decarbonization that tends to be forgotten. And, and it's the fact that, fine, when we are looking at the global north, as in developed countries, obviously we are focusing on decarbonization, reducing emissions, energy efficiency, being more cost effective and more, more effective on how we use the energy that we do have. So that is the transition that we are looking towards clean, cleaner energy. But we are, when you are looking to, to the global south, uh, their energy transition goes from no energy to energy. And, and, and that is a dimension that many people are forgetting when we are looking at the conversation in these in these uh, climate change conferences so perhaps because we were in africa in, in egypt uh, it was important i mean suddenly you have a lot of countries saying okay people uh, yes we want to to decarbonize yes we want to use our resources as effectively as possible but we also and foremost want to achieve the standard of living that you guys are already enjoying. So, so to me, those two uh, messages or those two, two big ideas uh, were maybe the, the biggest message that I got out of COP27. 20, so I think that's good, for, good, good news for us in the nuclear community because I think that more and more countries, uh, particularly in the global south, are realizing that nuclear is truly or could be potentially a game changer when it comes to providing abundant, clean, affordable, 24-7 energy, not electricity, energy for everybody so so i think that this is this is changing a little bit the, the conversation yeah a lot of people will point to the fact that developing countries were able to leapfrog in say communications they didn't have to build out mm -hmm. a large-scale landline system to be able to move to the cellular world right and they say well, why, why can't we do that with renewables i mm. think that you can do that with nuclear Exactly. But you have to make the nuclear product that fits that mode. It has exactly. to be something that is a wide range of sizes, a wide range of capabilities, maybe different focuses, you know, some that are better at producing heat, some that are better at producing electricity, some that do both. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that can allow you to leapfrog. One of the interesting things about nuclear is you don't necessarily need a lot of infrastructure to support it. You don't have to have a lot of connectivity between groups of distributed energy systems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can testify to this having spent so much time on board a fully 
nuclear-powered off-grid system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know. You know, that's very interesting because, uh, you know, this one system that you mentioned, uh, many times uh, some people ask as well, but, you know, th there is no SMRs. We don't know whether SMRs work or not. And in fact, well, as you just said, there is a lot of SMRs uh, that are, that are um, moving out and about throughout the, the five oceans or whatever many oceans there are. Uh, uh, and, and clearly uh, there are or companies and, and, and institutions out there that know how to build those things on time and on budget. So the question is, can't we translate that expertise into commercial systems that are uh, in, the, in the mainstream? So, so that's, and, and I agree with you. I mean, to me, what you said, the word leapfrog, to me, that's essential. Uh, we, I mean, uh, the, the Global South is quite happy to decarbonize. They are quite happy to use clean energy systems, but not at the cost of not developing. So I think it is uh, incumbent of uh, more developed countries to actually provide that support to, to help those countries leapfrog from where do they are right now, where they need to be. And, and fine, that is going to include probably some renewables, in many cases, hydropower, but certainly uh, uh, nuclear technology. And well, in some countries, they are going to need enormous amounts of power, which perhaps will bring them towards larger reactors. But in some countries and in some applications, particularly if you are looking to, to mining operations or industrial centers, uh, small modular reactors are going to be fabulous. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and they are fully aware of that, okay? The, this, these countries, I mean, sometimes we, we, we feel that they don't know, but they do know. They are looking at these options. And, and in many cases, their biggest their biggest challenge is that uh, maybe some of the vendors don't consider their, don't consider them as serious uh, potential uh, customers, perhaps. And also, they, we have the issue of financing. I mean, so these countries, in many cases, are going to really need to to look at financing. Uh, they are going to really need the support of multilateral development banks, and they are going to need uh, very innovative uh, financing frameworks to really allow them to to pursue these these newer technologies. But they are, uh, I mean, they are not. Uh, uninformed customers they really know what they want they are not always uh, getting all the all the answers that they they really are asking you mentioned the multinational development banks one of the challenges that we have is that many of those banks have a long standing prohibition about lending to nuclear projects has there been any change in the conversation about that have have any of them said, you know, the World Bank, I think they made one loan to a nuclear project, and that was in Italy in 1956. Right, right. Now, this is a huge uh, issue. So, so I mean, and we are making a little bit of progress, but not as much as we would like. I will tell you that from the point of view of World Nuclear Association, this is probably one of 
top three priorities right now. And it is uh, facilitating and, and supporting the global nuclear industry in this uh, innovative financing frameworks. And obviously, there is different needs, right? So, so there is a lot of uh, European countries right now that are looking at new nuclear. So obviously, they are interested in in affordable financing, but uh, perhaps there are there are some mechanisms that are suitable for these European countries. But then we are looking at African countries, Southeast Asian countries. Uh, some Central American countries. Uh, and so in those cases, the role of the multilateral development banks is absolutely essential. And not only uh, because these banks are expected to provide the bulk of the financing, because in many cases that's not what it is, but they are going to provide the confidence to other investors. So, so it is essential for those. Um, multilateral development banks to have policies that are number one technology neutral and number two science based and this is uh, something that we've been trying to to address it's not always easy because uh, there is an issue of perception so so many times these multilateral development banks uh, have the feeling that if they were to change their policies they would be a uh, 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 a revolt, if you wish. So, like, oh my gosh, what are you saying that you are going to fund nuclear projects now? That's that's non-sustainable. So, so we really need to to work with them. We need to enable them to to articulate this change in policy. We need to give them the tools and the the information that they need in order to say, you know what, we've done our homework. We've we've done a life cycle assessment of all these uh, low carbon or zero carbon uh, technologies, and these 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 and that are result to be within our uh, criteria of sustainability. And when they do that, nuclear for sure is going to be there. So so this is the type of discussion that we are trying to have with these uh, multilateral development banks, uh, so they can change their policies in a way that they can they can bring their stakeholders with them i mean so so that's that's the type of discussion that they are we are trying to broker and unfortunately it's not always as easy as i just described i mean you know it takes time and 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 well that's a conversation that we are working on definitely are you able to recycle some of the successful materials you used uh, for the discussion in the EU with the sustainable taxonomy uh, discussion. I mean, that that obviously was con- was controversial, contentious. Mm-hmm. A lot of people weren't happy about it, but the final result, I think, was a good one. No, no, I agree. I mean, I think that the fact that nuclear energy is considered as sustainable within the European uh, EU sustainable develop, I mean, sustainable finance taxonomy, that's that's very important. Uh, of course, you know, there is there is a little bit of a fine print there as far as how this is going to be implemented, but okay, 
this is this is a question for the next day. We we really need to take the successes that I mean there was as you know a lot of hard work by many uh, many organizations in Europe but also at a global level tried to to bring that. So so yes, I mean I think that some of the work that took place in order to 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 show decision makers in Europe that nuclear energy is just as sustainable as the other low carbon technologies that were already included in the taxonomy. So that information is available, whether it's the JRC report that, that I know you and other and mm -hmm. some of your speakers have discussed. And also there is the, the UNEC, the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe Life Cycle Assessment Report, which I think is fabulous. I mean, hopefully um, that's something that, that uh, your your audience is familiar with. And if not, uh, we, we should make sure that, that they are familiar with it because that is a fabulous reference. I mean, if nothing else, because it's a UN reference. I mean, it's not... World Nuclear Association saying this or that or the other thing is the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe. So yeah, so those references are are very useful and we are we are definitely. Uh, I mean, when people look at them, it's is you know at the very least it causes them to to stop and scratch their chin as like hmm, okay, uh, we need to reassess this. So the question is whether we get to that point. I mean, so sometimes, uh, in particular, with the multi-development, uh, multilateral development banks, it's not always get to the right person. So sometimes it seems like we are going from from door to door, and and we are not really talking to the right person. But when we do, um, and we bring that that information, uh, it certainly helps. But again. As you know, multilateral development banks, as many all of these uh, international governmental organizations, you have actually representatives from many governments. So ultimately, uh, they they tend to work by consensus, and you really need to to make sure that slowly but surely the information bubbles up, and everybody is able to to get. To, to read and to, to understand the information. So it's not a fast process. I mean, as you know, anything at the UN level or multilateral <laughs> uh, level is, is really, is really a, a slow process. How many new, or I shouldn't say how many, tell me about the countries that have started the process of becoming nuclear, the, the so-called newcomer countries. Mm -hmm. How are they going about it? And are they maybe finding better standards than our U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission gold standard. Right. Because I'm not sure I want anybody to follow the, what we've done. Right. Well, so, you know, you talk about regulation. And if you, you know, mentioned, I mentioned about my top three priorities, the, the streamlining of the international regulatory processes uh, would be definitely uh, among my top three priorities right now. I mean, not not so much mine, but the association's priorities. So so we we really see the the licensing and regulatory processes a big potential bottleneck in many cases. Uh, so so we we are really trying to to support countries so they they really 
uh, as they are making decisions to move forward with nuclear, that the the regulatory frameworks as are very much at the very top of their priorities, and and so you you want to to have countries that are independent, that are sovereign, that they make their own decisions. You don't want to to be at the mercy of somebody else. But at the same time, they need to be self-confident enough to know when it's not necessary to redo the work that another competent authority has already done. So so how to, to take work that is quality work and make sure that it fits their regulation. And uh, so, so that's that's something that we are trying to work together with countries. But so, as as I told you before, there is a lot of countries. I won't go into Europe because I know you are familiar with Europe, and most countries in Europe, except for Poland, already have robust regulatory systems, which is good, but in some cases bad, because obviously uh, this streamlining may be a little bit more onerous when you really need to overcome existing uh, regulatory uh, frameworks, right? So in some cases, when you have a newcomer country where very little regulatory basis exists, so if they are able to be pragmatic and and look at uh, how to expedite the the licensing in a way that again doesn't cut corners when it comes to to safety and security and safeguards but but it's not uh unnecessarily onerous uh so that's that's the way the best way to do it so uh, i will tell you that in africa there is a lot of countries that are quite serious about this so you probably have heard ghana is very serious Kenya, very serious. Nigeria, of course, uh, South Africa already have a nuclear uh, program, but they are very much uh, looking into into moving forward with with additional units and and what is the best way to do that. So, so as you know, the International Atomic Energy Agency they have this milestone process that has being used to support newcomer countries so they can develop their infrastructure, they can achieve this national consensus, they can put legal infrastructures, regulatory infrastructures. And I mean, and I think that that is a very good process, but uh, perhaps uh, it can still be optimized, particularly when, when we are talking about the small modular reactors, when some of the things that, that perhaps are needed for large reactors are maybe can be can be uh, optimized if you wish for small modular reactors and, and I think that many countries do know that uh, and many countries uh, throughout this process have become very very smart customers so they they really I mean, while they understand the process and they understand the 19 milestones and, and I mean, the 19 uh, aspects that need to be dealt with through the milestones, they also understand that perhaps the things can be done a little bit faster. So, mm-hmm. so, so you know, and the same is true in, in Southeast Asia. I mean, you have Philippines, you have, uh, you have countries like uh, Indonesia, uh, Singapore. That, that they are assessing whether whether these are options that that, that they can look at. 
Um, and even I will tell you, even in 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 South America and Central America, we were talking to El Salvador last week or two weeks ago in COP, and and you have no idea. We have the the Minister of Energy of El Salvador asking incredibly targeted, very well um, poised questions. I mean, clearly they had done their homework. They know what their options are, and they are they are asking the right questions. So so yeah, uh, we just really need to start treating these countries very seriously because because they 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 are doing their homework. Do you think that we have any chance of getting closer to the situation we have in, say, commercial aircraft, where uh, an aircraft that's licensed in a particular country can land and operate in any other country? Right. The small well, modular like, reactors, particularly yeah. on board ships, this might be something we need to do. You know, that is the perfect world, right? I mean, so that is, uh, and in fact, World Nuclear Association has a report uh, looking at the the opportunities or taking the commercial uh, aircraft uh, industry uh, for nuclear. So, but, and, and even even we have already good examples in nuclear. If you look at the the transport radiation, I mean uh, the 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 uh, regulatory framework for nuclear transport. So we have mm-hmm. cases where we have a, a transport container that is licensed in one country and with with minimum additional work can be trans uh, licensed in different countries. And that's the point, right? So you are going to transport nuclear material from country X to country Y, typically through several countries in between, right? So so we have already existing examples where, where small modular reactors and even large reactors could benefit from our own lessons learned. And I think that... Uh, the problem is that when we develop the existing regulation, we never really envision this global market that we really need to have in order for small modular reactors to achieve the economics of of series that that we really mm-hmm. need to have, right? So, so I think that um, the regulators are very very aware of this. I think I think that um, they are doing their best to to not be in a, a, a barrier to to the development of, of new nuclear, particularly small modular reactors. But at the same time, they do need a mandate and they do need the resources from their governments. I mean, regulators may not want to be the 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 uh, the bottleneck, but okay. At the same time, they, they have a job to do and, and, mm-hmm. and they need to do it. So once again, this is what I was telling you earlier. Regulators need the mandate. They need the resources. And we need to allow them and we need to help them uh, put in place the the uh, the way to articulate this new uh, paradigm, if you wish, in which they are not going to cut any corner. The safety standards they are currently achieving are going to be equal or perhaps even higher. They are just trying to optimize the way they do these reviews, the way they they do this, um, how they collaborate with other regulators, etc. So, I mean, 
so I don't know that we are going to go uh, to this product uh, licensing that you were mentioning. You know that uh, you you get the stamp of approval on this particular SMR design from regulator A, and then regulator B and Z and D and and Z could could actually just grab it. I mean, I think is we are not close to achieving that. But uh, perhaps there is an in-between step in which uh, it's not just a step of approval, but perhaps they can work together to, to, to optimize the process. I think one of the things that I've heard, you may fa- see it differently, but many of the customers say, once you, whoever's developing these new designs, once you build it in your country and get it approved through your regulators, then we're going to be a lot more interested in having in our countries. We really don't feel like we should be the tester, the guinea pigs. Is that something you you hear as well? We we have heard that, um, but I think uh, it's becoming less of an issue. I mean, I think, you know, when you have experienced nuclear regulators such as, I mean, Look at the examples of the current collaboration between the US NRC and the Canadian CNSC. Um, so it, it may happen that some of these uh, small modular reactors are going to be uh, deployed first, not in the country of origin. So it may be, for example, that the, the I don't know, the, the, the GBWR X300 will deploy first in Canada than in the US. I mean, I think it's going to be close, but so, so I think that what, what, what is needed is for an experienced regulator to, to either license the, 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 the design first or to work, to, to work closely with a not so experienced regulator. Okay, so mm-hmm. so that's what is needed. But I think that um, uh, some of these newcomer countries, they just need to be shown that it can be done. So the, this this uh, demonstration projects are very important, not so much because of the country of origin. I mean, that may be part of it, but to me, the key point is, can you do this on time and on budget? Show me that you can do it. Uh, and and then and then we will be happy to to go to go afterwards. So I'm always a little bit nervous about focusing on the on time and on budget for the first, the of, first a of a kind. Yes. No, yes. Ma- no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm baking a cake, hanging shades in my house, putting up Christmas lights, whatever. The first time I do it, it it's takes longer than I expect, exactly. and it costs more than I expect. Exactly. Exactly. No, no, no. You don't I mean, know I, what you don't know. Exactly. You don't know what you don't know, and 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 it isn't realistic to expect that the cost and the and the schedule of the first the first one is going to be the one of the nth of a kind. So I mean, and mm-hmm. we've seen that. I mean, we are learning all the time in these nuclear projects, but but still, 
I mean, we are saying that we are going to, to fabricate these uh, reactors on a factory. They are going to be done on series somewhat. We are going to, to put them on the bed of a truck or on, on a train or on a barge. And they are going to go somewhere. And with minimum civil infrastructure, we are going to be able to deploy them. So that's the demonstration that I think some countries want to see. And, and, and obviously, we, we really haven't done it too many times. I mean, our colleagues in China have done it once. Our colleagues in Russia have done it twice or once, really, in PEVEC. And so, so we really need to do this. I mean, whether it's new scale, whether it's uh, GWR uh, X300 or, or whether it is uh, the, the X, the, 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 uh, Energy or whatever, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, it we just really need to show uh, these newcomer countries and also existing countries that we, in fact, uh, can put actions with when our wars are. I mean, this this would be the 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 more important thing for me. I mean, my message whenever I talk to our colleagues in the industry is okay. We got people's attention. Countries are looking at nuclear. Now we need to stop talking and start doing. I mean, my my next job, I mean, when I go places and talk about nuclear, I need to start showing these newcomer or existing countries success stories. And, and unfortunately, uh, in, in, in Western countries and, and in North America, we haven't had too many of those with with large reactors in recent times. I mean, clearly we did do very well in uh, maybe maybe in the 70s or in the 80s, but but maybe not in recent times. So we need more experiences, such as in the UAE. We need more experiences like our colleagues in China are doing, or or perhaps in in Korea. So so that's what we need in the small modular reactor uh, landscape. I'm looking and seeing that. We agreed that you only had a certain amount of time, so yes. uh, I'm going to get close to the final here. So yeah. give me a give me a final shot. Maybe we'll bring you back on for another show. But at this point, what would you like to leave the audience with? What final thoughts do you have? Well, no, I mean, I think is is uh, my final thoughts is I really I really am very optimistic about uh, nuclear energy. I think that more and more policymakers, uh, the finance community, the the organizations that are putting in place all these scenarios. I mean, more and more uh, key people are understanding that we are not going to get where we need to be without nuclear. So, so that realization is there. So to me now, the ball is in the nuclear community's court to make that happen. So, so Maybe we haven't convinced everybody yet, but we have a lot of a lot of people ready to 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 trust us. So so now we need to really show them. Here it is. We can do it. We've done it. Uh, let us continue doing it uh, at scale, at speed, because because that is what is needed to to achieve these decarbonization goals at the same time that that we achieve the 
the socioeconomic development that everybody needs. I mean, I, I really want to make sure that we, we don't forget that component because because it's not just decarbonizing. So that's my, I mean, my new, my, my, my summary would be, it is up to us to, to show the people that are starting to look at nuclear with new eyes that it can be done, that we are doing it, and that, that, uh, that we are here to contribute. Abundant, affordable, reliable, 24-7 and clean. Exactly, free. exactly. I mean, this is exactly right. I mean, abundant, affordable, clean, 24-7 for everybody. I mean, the equity uh, equity side of that is essential. I agree. And thank you very much, Sama. And I'll let you get back to the hard work of making this all happen for the rest of the world. Bye. Thank you so much. Looking forward to, to, to seeing you in person again. Um, maybe any other time that you want to have me in your show. All right. Thank you. I was speaking with Dr. Sama Bilbao Ilion, the Director General of the World Nuclear Association. I hope you enjoyed the show. This episode of The Atomic Show was brought to you by Nucleation Capital. We're a venture capital fund focused on selecting ventures with extraordinary promise. They're building the advanced nuclear sector and helping expand our clean energy options. We're building a portfolio of ventures on behalf of investors like many of you. We don't just take funds from the large institutions that typically allocate to venture capital. We believe that regular investors should have access to the opportunities in modern nuclear for their own portfolios. We allow people to subscribe on a quarterly basis, starting as low as $5,000 per quarter. A four-quarter subscription will get you exposure to between four and six ventures. If you are an accredited investor and would like to learn more about how you can participate, please check out our website at nucleationcapital.com. That's nucleationcapital, all one word, dot com. Our fund and all of the information you need to subscribe is available online. You can also subscribe to our newsletter, Nucleation Insights, and join our pro-nuclear investor network to learn about select syndicated investment opportunities. If you have questions, we're happy to chat. Please spread the word. There's a way, a way, such a better way. Today, today. Raise your voice, tell the world there's a better way. Today, there's a better way. Ooh, there's a way, such a better way. Today, today. Now raise your voice, tell the world there's a better way. Today there's a better